Now on News Talk, Drama on News Talk brings us a new radio play. Writer and performer Andreas de Stack tells the story of a young musician and his friends growing up in rural Ireland where football is their currency in the premiere of his new radio drama, The Man from Mugaga. The following programme contains language of a sexual nature which some listeners may find offensive. Listener discretion advised. The man from Mugaga was born on a cold, wet, windy night on the island of Mugaga. It was called Mugaga from the Irish Mugagag, meaning the flat of the geese. And it was a cold and wet and windy night when he was born. And he popped long and thin out of his mother and landed. And the gypsy woman from the end of the island came down and said, That'll be the man, that'll be the man, she said, that'll be the man that'll bring home the cup. For there was a curse on the nearby town of Balnamango. They couldn't win the football cup. And you know, people didn't know what to think of this or what to think of that. And it was a cold, wet, windy night in November, the 7th of the 11th, 77, that he was born. And he was the man from Mugaga because he was the only man from the island of Mugaga. All the men were taken off to London and Boston and gone off far away. And the women of the island asked the gypsy woman that she would keep him and that he wouldn't be taken away. They dressed him up in women's clothes so the fairies wouldn't take him off. For the fairies had taken Manny's another man away off to the pubs of Camden Town and Cricketwood and South Boston might never come home out of it. And the man from Mugaga grew up on this island and he was happy, happy out he was, playing jigs and reels and living in the free and easy life on the island. And often on a summer's evening he'd be up the far end of the island with the gypsy woman. The only other male on the island was an otter, simply called Dotter. And the man from Mugaga and Dotter and the gypsy woman would be playing. And she had her own kind of way of casting out, she'd go. She'd had her own special way of drawing them in, you see. She'd have the bow, they fiddle up like this and they'd jump into her hand. Come here, I want you, come here, I want you. Oh, little fish, can you do the fandango? Come here, I want you, come here, I want you. You're the nice little fish in Balnamango. For every fish that she'd pull out of the lake, she'd land him in the wheelbarrow. And once a week on a Friday, she'd go off to the town of Balnamango and she'd sell these fish. And the man from Mugaga was happy out. His head was full of jigs and reels. And you know how it feels when the jigs and the reels. He was jumping and fishing and it wasn't long before he learnt how to tickle the trout. And he could tickle the trout or the salmon up out of the lake. He was as good as the gypsy woman. It was a lovely trait to have. But then, when he was seven years old, it was time for the man from Mugaga to go off to the big town. The big town of Balnamango. And this was a different kind of a town. For if the island was all about music, the big town of Balnamango was all about one thing. Football. Football, football, football. And the town of Balnamango, it was called Balnamango because Balnamingo bus, it was an Irish, where a bingo bus had broke down there in the 1800s and all the inhabitants were slaughtered. And it was Balnamingo bus and then a granite got a bang to it, Balnamango, the bang. The town had a certain kind of rhythm to it. To kind of go like... And the rhythm was based on the characters that were the town that had their own kind of rhythm and singing and song. And there was this lad, he used to drive an articulated truck and he was shouting, Come here, I want you. You know, he'd be getting people to help him. And this lad in the articulated truck, he was kind of a hairy fella, he'd be hanging outside the Arctic and he'd be all tanned and hairy on one side of the body. He was the original Arctic monkey. And he'd be shouting at people to help him, you know. And if you give him a hand, he'd give you a Mr. Freeze or an ice cream or an old yogurt for yourself. And when you're young fella, you say, Where are you off 
And the bread van driver would be driving up and down the town And he'd be shouting, he'd be shouting around He'd say, come on with me now for the crack We'll deliver loaves back and let the frack We won't come home till this time tomorrow Delivering bread in Connemara You know, you'd love to go off like that for a day you take a day off school and you go off to deliver an ice cream or bread And the delivery bread man, he'd be like Give me a look at you To see if you're any good at work, you know And then there was another fella He'd be selling antiques He'd kind of a high-ass fan, you know And a few old broken chairs in the back of it He'd say, come on with me now, we'll get on to Clunfed We'll see the German man's daughter Oh, you want to see her Her dad is a shop selling antiques You see this girl, she's a real tonfeek You're only 13 or 14 years old You're only getting to know yourself and you see, you'd be going off with these lads then, you'd be selling antiques and bread and yogurts and everything. Wouldn't you be a proud man when you'd be coming home to your mother with a load of stale yogurts and burst stuffs, but you'd be a breadwinner and you'd lay them down and you'd go, Ma'am, I'm going out to play football after the tea. And then, at six o'clock in the evening, all the bread vans, antique trucks and articulated trucks and everything, they'd all be coming home. They'd pull up in the town square and everyone would be sitting around hanging out of a van or the Arctic monkey would be having a fag and this game of football would start to kick off. Someone could be halfway up a ladder kicking a football or a pig's bladder and the man from Ugaga, well you see, he was no good at football. Sure, you'd throw him in the lake, he'd swim a furlong, but he was useless at football and worse at hurling. His head was full of jigs and reels, so they stuck him in goal because he was shite outfield. And you see, the midges came in from out of the trees and they were biting his arse in the back of his knees, but he was beating them off and he was beating them down. And he was banging to the rhythm, the rhythm of the town. And there was the great team to be seen, playing the football around the green. There was the five Kelly brothers, they were all Joseph Kelly's sons. They were indeed Big Joe Kelly from Belfast, fine big man with a big belly, Big Joe Kelly. A hard man worked in construction, Big Joe Kelly from Belfast. And his five sons all named after him, Kenneth Joseph Kelly, Dennis Joseph Kelly, Brendan Joseph Kelly, Patrick Joseph Kelly. There was Kengo, Jango, Benjo, Pedro and John Joseph Kelly, John Joe. The Kelly brothers. And they were mighty, they were made up the back line. And Dojin Flynn, Dojin Flynn was tall and thin, with a mop of curly blonde hair in his head. But he was kind of hyperglycemic, do you know what I mean like? He was hyperglycemic, do you know what I mean like? If he had too many Mr. Freezes at all, he'd get awfully excited. He was mad for the blue Mr. Freeze and the red Mr. Freeze, even though they both taste the same. But they were so full of colouring, they were driving him cracked. And then, with Dojin in midfield was Morris Keneally. And Morris Keneally was a shoulda, woulda, coulda kind of fella. He mightn't, he wouldn't, he shouldn't, he couldn't. And he was known as... The Mo Keneally. He had his own kind of rhythm. And whenever he'd get the ball, the man from Ugaga had to make a kind of a jig rhythm. He mightn't, he wouldn't, he couldn't, he shouldn't, he kick the ball up in the air. Mightn't, he couldn't, he wouldn't, he shouldn't, he scratching his arse in the back of his hair. And then, in the forward line, top corner forward was Manny the Matchbox. Manny the Matchbox always wanted to be man of the match. He was a goal hanger. He'd be, will you give me the bleeding ball? Will you give me the bleeding ball? His people had come down from Dublin on the rural replacement scheme. Or was it? The witness protection. You wouldn't know with many of the matchbox. Will you give us the bleeding ball? Will you, will you give the bleeding ball? He could only play soccer, but he was good enough to stick the ball in the back of the net when he got it. And then, in the other corner, Fungus O'Brien. Fungus O'Brien was a kind of a fungly, fungly, fungly kind of a fella. He'd have a bit of fungal foot powder and he loved magic mushrooms. So his grandfather was Mickey Mush. His people used to make a kind of a rare putchy note of mushrooms. And he loved picking mushrooms out of the green. And even as a young fella, he was always smoking dope and picking up mushrooms. And as a teenager, more into mushrooms and dope he got. He had a kind of a mushroom haircut, a mushroom kind of a fungly foot powder growing out of his armpit. He was an awful character altogether, but great crack. And the man from Ogaga, well, he could play this kind of rhythm to inspire the team. The crowd would be roaring, Come here, want you? Give me a look at you. Where are you after? Can I go with you? Because the man from Ogaga, he could harness the energy of the whole town and get the lads to play well and keep the whole thing going. And suddenly they were doing well. Under 14 was going well. Under 16 was going well. Under 18 was going well. They were at a minor county final down in Castlebar. This was it now. A minor county final in Castlebar. And they're playing the biggest team in Mayo. Ballina!
And the boys are doing well The boys are doing well The referee is looking at his watch This could be it Could the boys from Balnamango Really beat the biggest town in the county They might You wouldn't know You wouldn't know You wouldn't know And the man from Mugaga Belting out the rhythm the referee is looking at his watch There's only a few minutes left in this game It could go either well The boys from Balnamango badly need a goal They're losing by a point But they've been catching up all the second half Suddenly the man from Mugaggar does his shit kick out He kicks it out It's low and high It's into Dujin Flynn Go on Dujin Flynn It's back to the back line To Kango Kelly To Django Kelly To Pedro Kelly To Django Kelly And back to Django Go on Kango Go on Kango Kelly Go yourself Kango Go on Kango Kango Kelly back to Django Kelly Django to Pedro Kelly It's up to Dujin Flynn Dujin Flynn is tall and thin With a mop of curly blonde hair And said he's gone up the field Go on Dujin Flynn Dujin Flynn will pass to Morris Keneally You more Keneally You mightn't do Wouldn't you Couldn't you Shouldn't come more Kick the ball up in the air Back to Dujin Go yourself now Dujin Dujin Flynn will many of the match passes Give us a bleeding ball It's into fungus O'Brien, oh, mush of fungus, and he's down in Castlebar looking for mushrooms in the ground in McHale Park. Fungus O'Brien puts it back to many of the matchbox. Many of the matchbox, off the back of the corner flag, into the back of the digi bag. Yes, it's a goal! Give me a look at the crowd roaring And the boys lift the cup It's the first time in 38 years they've lifted the cup It's an exciting time for the boys of Balnamango And they come home with the county cup It could be true The gypsy woman's prophecy could be true indeed Why wouldn't it? Maybe the man from Mugaga was the man to lift the cup And they come home with Captain Dujin Flynn tall and high And Kango beside him lifting the cup tall and high Old men we hadn't seen in years were out with pitchforks and a sod of turf dipped in diesel on the end of a pitchfork. Flames high, you'd swear someone was after getting ordained with the fires flaring high and a bonfire in the green. And the boys come home with the cup and it's going well. The crowd out to see them. Old men we hadn't seen in years were pulling off their pioneer pins and firing them into the river. And the man from Mugag is under pressure to play music and the crowd singing and shouting as they get home. There's a bonfire at the end of the green and the chipper van has come out nowhere and the chipper van is selling fast food, chips and fish. Peddlers from all sides of the country have come to celebrate the cup. The boys are under 18, a minor county cup. But it was different if it was to be under 14, under 16, you'd fill it with TK lemonade and you'd have crisps. But boys become men when they're 18, don't they? To do is right. And there'd be no lemonade in this. No, it'd be filled with pure and utter Pachin, the rare old mountain Jew, and it's up for the man from Mugaga to play the tune that suits us. And the grass is cold a free and easy way But give me enough for the rare old stuff It's mid near Galway Bay And the people are diddly dum dum And the man from Mugaga is built in the fiddle And the bonfires ablaze And the cup is filled with pudgeen Moonshine The finest rare old mountain dew From the hills of Connemara And the boys jump around But the boys were caught in a kind of a box set Do you know what a box set is? A box set is like an all-male set dance The lads are there doing an all-male set dance Like what the Greeks would call a zonoradico Pulling and pucking each other And pucking and lapping and buck lapping And they were They were able to dance And they were able to shout And they were able to sing And they were able to win the cup But they weren't able to, they weren't able to, they weren't able to talk to the beautiful women that were watching them. You know the way there's a gang of women watching a gang of lads who've just won the cup and the boys are there and you know what lads are like at that age, they're 18 and they're excited and they won the cup and they're able to jump and buck lip and slapping and bucking and pucking and shouldering and, but they weren't able to talk. And the line of beautiful women that was there, so who should appear at this crucial point in the story only that 
the gypsy woman with a few fresh salmon from the island abroad in the lake, the island of Mugaga. She was so happy with the little man from Mugaga and his great day in goal and winning the county cup and she turned up with the salmon and she turned up and she wanted to play some sexy romantic gypsy music to show the man from Mugaga that now was a time in his life where he should learn to learn to operate his thin slender fingers on the fiddle as well as he could operate it on the fishing rod to you know that men have to learn a certain trick at a certain age where they can you know how she needed to play this gypsy music so it would kind of intercept and interact and let the lads open up the book set and let the men chat to the women and the women chat to the men and let the boys become men and the girls become ladies for the night because it was an important night as the full moon of October hung low on the sky over the blazing bonfire but as she appeared the boy said don't mind that old tinker woman don't mind that old gypsy woman and of course he should have just he should have just you know played the gypsy music with her he should have just taken this moment but he didn't he turned his back on her oh and it was then she sat down by the fire she sat down by the fire and she turned the salmon she turned the salmon and didn't know was it then that she pointed at the moon between the clouds and was it then or was it someone else or what happened but a curse was put on the team they might never win the cup until she said until they all learned how to embrace their femininity femininity well we'll get back to that the following year, sure, the lads went down under 21. This was it. If they could win up minor and win it under 21, it wouldn't be long before they'd win the senior cup and break the curse forever. But a cold, wet, windy day below in Castlebar, that's gone high. Dujin Flynn, go yourself, Dujin. Dujin was hyperlycemic at this point. So Dujin had taken to the Pucciano and off way since the boys won the minor county cup. And now here he was, roaring and roaring and roaring. And he, he got that far to the drink and he couldn't give it up. And he was belting through the field. Go yourself, Dujin. Wouldn't pass the ball to anyone. Go yourself, Dujin. He passed it in finally to many of the matchbox. Give it a bit more, give it a bit more. It's many of the matchbox. Many of the matchbox. Pass it back to me, Dujin. The one, two, the one, two. But there was no one, two of many of the matchbox. He kicks it low. He kicks it high. He kicks it. It's gone over the bar. It's gone over the bar at least they get a draw but the wind blew and the ball goes wide the boys lost the under 21s sure it didn't matter the 1990s had come upon us and the country was picking up there was a bit of work for everyone and Kango Kelly Kango was working as a plasterer not getting plastered too much but working away above and Galway plastering and he'd come home to the pub in the evening he'd be picking his teeth with the towel and like that you know he was a musical character too he'd be picking his teeth he'd be like picking his teeth like that and then his brother might come into the bub Brendan Joseph Banjo and his other brother Dennis Joseph Django and they come into the bar and these brothers they didn't really talk to each other normally you know but sometimes after a few pints they'd be that kind of crack which start they wouldn't really be talking but they'd be in that kind of magical musical spot you know and Django might start off like this he'd kind of go lilting he'd go and the other brother he'd be over the other side of the bar having a pint and he'd hear this kind of rhythm coming across him you know people would be talking about horse racing and be, he might kind of hear this rhythm and even though he didn't talk to his brother Django he might start lilting back and he might go and then the rhythm would kick off and the boys would be saying on Kango come on in there now bring in the towel there and come in nice and gentle on the towel come on come in yourself Kango and Kango would say oh jeez lads no I'm wrecked I've been plastered all day my ear is covered in concrete Christ I tell you I've been on the mortar board all day I know I wouldn't have a point now I wouldn't have a point I might have a lemonade or something or go on have a smithic so to hell and the boys would say on Kango bring in the old towel will ya and he'd go on he'd have the pint of smithic sound in his throat and he'd say alright so he'd say and he'd come in nice and gentle with the towel 
Do you hear it now? You know how you'd be after a few pints? You'd be kind of coming up nicely like. You know how it feels from the jigs and the reels, you're pumping a drink around the body and the session is kicking off. And then Pajo Kelly. Pajo was all about the beat. Now unfortunately he'd taken to the Beetlejuice in a big way. He was drinking a lot. Even though he was very athletic too, you know. But if there was one thing that was wrong with him, it was his vanity that brought him his insanity. And if he was around today now, he'd have a selfish stick hanging over him. But he kind of put the beat into things too. You hear the beat kicking in, and you know when the beat kicks in, then Django might take on the guitar and he'd strum it gently, and his brother Brendan Joseph on the banjo. And the whole place would start kicking off, and the session would roll. It was 1999, and the crack was mighty, we were drinking wine. Hoppa! And then Kango brought a Kango hammer, and he was Kangoing all over Gaul, and now he was plastering, buying sites, and talking shite. He was no longer a plasterer now, or a Kango operator, he was a building contractor. Orden more, Turlock more, knock more. He was knocking more sites up to my own Galway, Raskaman. He was buying sites and talking shite in Castlebar and Ballina, advertising in the property section to Irish Times. Only 30 seconds from luxurious Galway City. Yeah, if you're in a helicopter, maybe. Not if you're stuck behind a muck spreader on the N17 for four hours, and a flood coming in on top of you. But it didn't matter, because he was buying sites and talking shite and covered in covered in, covered in concrete, and the man from Ugaga was getting high along with him, coming in with the fiddle then. And the next thing, the millennium, the millennium, do you remember that? The night that nothing happened. They all thought that Y2K computers would crash, the world would end, but everyone just went on the lash to no end. And then Kango would pull up outside the pub in 2007. More fun, big Jaguar he had now, he'd pull up outside, he'd have the three mobile phones going, yeah, yeah, yeah. One for business, one for the wife, and one for the girlfriend. He was buying sights and talking shite and covered in concrete. And they'd say, come on, Kango, bring in the Kango hammer out of the session. But it was getting out of hand. Things were going crazy. This cat lashed to beat the band. They were on the drink and they were having a blast. But a cat lashed, a cat lashed. And Kango hammer would come in with the Kango session then. He'd come in, bringing in the Kango. Three pints of Guinness and a pint of cider. Three cheers of the Celtic Tiger. Pulling on the dragon and he might ride her. And the next thing then it was Deccan. Deccan, 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 Deccan. Suddenly, Celtic Tiger, R.I.P. You're listening to The Man from Moogaga on News Talk 106 to 108. The lads woke up in 2008. Celtic Tiger, R.I.P. The boys had been on the rip so strong they didn't see it coming. They looked across the pub, across the road to the green. The green where the boys played the football and it was covered in concrete, covered in, covered in, covered in concrete. They couldn't believe it. They said, Kango, Kango, what should you do? The green where we played the football just covered in concrete. And Kango said, oh, lads, I was, uh, I was making a car park. Do you know, like, a car park? Yeah, I was going to build another, I was going to build another football field down the road. A big one, like Anfield, with floodlights. Anfield, floodlights, car park. A car park. For what? For the cars that were being repossessed over in Tume and down in Castlebar. The beamer was taken off him and he had only a bicycle. And sad times came into the town of Balnamengo. Lads went off to Australia, some lads went to America, more lads went to London. Many the matchbox and Fungus O'Brien stay fight off to Australia. The man from Ugaga was there playing the old sad old tunes and people telling him to shut up. I just shut up with that whiny old sad music. You're as bad as them singer-song whiners above in Dublin. It was true, but what could he do? He couldn't play happy music, he couldn't play sad music. Poor old Mark Keneally, he might, he wouldn't, he shouldn't, he couldn't. He's sitting in the pub, pure depressed, lads. I might throw myself into the river. Will you stop, Mark Keneally, will you stop? The lads didn't know how to talk to him. Stop, stop talking, child, have another pint. And sure enough, he'd go down. He might go for a pint, he might sit out the bar, playing with his phone, he might go to the jacks. And then he'd disappear. The lads wouldn't know where he was. 
and he'd come back an hour later all wet lads I was in the river will you stop that don't be throwing yourself in the river there's only two foot of water you'll hurt yourself and then one day he went up to Galway oh he was going to one at this time the cliffs of Moher he saw the bus for the cliffs of Moher he got on he was going getting on that bus only for a Yankee woman who was getting off it and she said oh my god I went up that Croke Patrick mountain in Westport and I fell on my fanny well Jesus Christ he couldn't listen to that for an hour on the way to Doolin no into Galway town threw himself into the river but luckily whatever way the wind blew he got stuck on you know Galway now all cultural they have a statue of a big kind of a swan in the middle of the river and his big furry jacket got caught on that and the kayakers came out from NUIG and they rescued him and pulled him in told him to cop on and wake up of course he should have got the next bus back to Balnamango then but what did he see only the last bus of the evening going to Doolan and the cliffs of Moher and he got on this bus and down goes the bus down to the cliffs and he goes up to the cliffs no more and threw himself off it but luckily the wind blew oh, and he landed back on top of the cliff for the third time in one day now he had time to ponder his life's existence and he sat there looking at the seagulls and sitting in seagulls shite and he looks down upon the Iron Islands and for a moment he looked down onto the pier in Doolin and what did he see on an old minibus it was the old minibus that used to bring the lads to the football matches Lecce Lecce had a minibus the minibus driver was called Lecce because he said Lecce come on Lecce come on and Manta Manta said Manta feck Manta feck and Lecce and Manta were there and they were picking up a stag party that was coming in from the Iron Islands. Kango and some of the boys were coming in off the Iron Islands. And they said, Mo, Mo Canelli, is that you? Will you come on over that? Come down over that, Mo, now. And he went on the minibus and he was going home with the boys. The boys told him to cop on and to try and get something going in his life, like a business or, I don't know what, some kind of adventure. And the boys that time, you know, times were hard and some of the lads, not all of the lads, but some of the lads used to stop off when they'd be coming up from Clare. They'd stop off at Alwee Cave. You ever in Alwee Cave? There's nothing but a hole under a mountain. They go into Alwee Cave and there's this bit where the tour guide brings you down and the tour guide says, And now, we're going to turn off all electronic equipment, pagers, pads and pods and give you an experience of what it was like here in the darkness of the cave with those early explorers, just themselves and the bears. And at that point, the boys would be kind of wide. They'd see all the pagers, pads and pods being turned off by the Yanks and Swiss and Germans and people that had money, you know. The crowd that bailed us out during the hard times. And... They'd see them going into the handbags, and what they'd do is they'd slip in with the sleight of hand, pick it up out over the turnstile, out on the gate, back into the bed. Let's come on, let's come on, Montefec, Montefec, out of the bus and back home. Because you see, someone had to pay for the stag party in Inishmore. They have a supermax out there now too. So you're talking food and drink. So at that point, Mokinidi was in the dark, and the tour guide goes, Now we turn off all pagers, pads, and pods. And suddenly, in the middle of the darkness, Oh my God, somebody's grabbed my fanny! Lights, come on! And there's Monk with his hand on this one's arse and his other hand on her boob. And their eyes met in a funny kind of way and he looked at her and she looked at him and God between us and all harm, you wouldn't know that they start fighting or fall in love and she was dragging him into the courthouse or the police station any time to press charges but by the time they were talking and he was telling her how he wasn't able to get his life together and he, the day that he'd put in and her with her day trying to find her roots. And you know what happened? Before that day was out, didn't they kind of fall in love? Well, you know the way they'd be fighting and arguing and nixing. He went off to Texas with her. Imagine, the last man you thought would ever leave Balnamengo. Off went Mokin in. He might, he wouldn't, he shouldn't, he couldn't, but he did. He went off to Texas with this woman. And they got engaged. Imagine, a man that could never commit anything. Engaged. So poor old Kanga was sitting there. He was like, Lads, I'm in an awful way. The house I built was an awful mistake. Seven bathrooms sank into the lake. He was like, the Polish girl gave me an erection. She worked in Jason's hardware in the power tool section. But she fecked off back home to Warsaw. She broke my heart like a feckin' chainsaw. And it was pure depressed. 
It was tough times 2005, 2006 And it was only getting worse by 2008 and 9 And then finally by 2015, 16 The man from Ugarga said he'd have to go and visit the lads Paggio Kelly had gone off to San Francisco Fungus O'Brien and many of the matchbox were below in Australia and they were hardly in it a wet week when they were crossing Sydney Bay on the way from Bondi to Coogee to Manly. Yes, they'd be going across into the rocks, into the town centre above the mercantile. That's where they'd meet all the other Irish on a Sunday going to beer for the day. And as the boat was bringing them across Sydney Harbour on that fine Sunday morning, the boat passes by Sydney Harbour Zoo. And the boys get out. Next thing, what do they see? Only an elephant. And the boys start crying. Because the elephant is eating a big round bale of silage. And it's the smell of the silage, you see, that makes the boys emotional. They start crying. The smell is reminding them at home. Not that they were only in Australia a few days, but I suppose the two weeks doing hard drugs in Thailand had them kind of tired and emotional. And then Manny the Matchbox goes up and he's forking silage into the elephant's mouth. And Fungus O'Brien behind him then looking at elephant's shite. And next thing the zookeeper comes. Oh, you might. You're right. What are you doing here, Petty? And the boy say, well, it was just the whole elephant and the bale of silage, the, the smell of the silage reminded us of home. And next thing, the boy's got a job. Yeah, zookeepers, the two of them. And Manny the Matchbox became the head zookeeper. They reposted him to Melbourne and Fungus O'Brien to work with the Silverback Gorillas. Yeah, full-time down in Melbourne, zookeepers, got the residency and all. We thought they'd never come home out of it, working below with the Silverback Gorillas. But meanwhile, back in Balnamingo, Kanga was upset, crying over the Polish woman that went back to Warsaw, broke his heart like a feckin' chainsaw. The house I built was an awful mistake. 27 bathrooms should sink into the lake. The house I built, no planning permission. A mortgage of debt and pure depression. He was still there and the city had nearly come out on top of us. It was covered in concrete was the place. And now nothing but ghost estates. It was an awful state altogether. Finally, the man from Mugaga said he'd have to go. Jesus Christ, we was turning 34. It was time to hit the road. Or he'd never go. He left poor Kango at home. Then off he went. Off he'd go to America. The United States of America, indeed. He said he'd call to see more Canadian, the Texan fiancé. And he came upon them and the Texan fiancé said, Oh my God, I've heard so much about you and your music. And Mo Keneally might and he wouldn't, he shouldn't, he couldn't. He's getting married. Getting married? Mo Keneally, a man that wouldn't commit to anything. Now he was going home to get married. Going home in the summertime to get married. Ashford Castle. Ashford Castle. Well, the grounds of Ashford Castle. The small hut on the outskirts of it. On me oath. A big wedding. That'd be a big day. Lots of yanks coming home for that wedding. And Mo Keneally asked the man from Mugaga to play music at the wedding. Well, I'd be honoured, said the man from Mugaga. But sir, what would he play? He had to find a new tune. He had to... He had to... He had to remember the gypsy woman and her music. He had to play something that would unite the crowd, unite the masculine and feminine. Was it true that he had to find his own feminine soul? He had to... He went to San Francisco to meet Paggio. Paggio Kelly! How's it going, Paggio Kelly? He said to Paggio, and Paggio said, Don't call me Paggio. Paggio, you see, was always the athletic one. Paggio was a bit... I won't say that he was vain, but Paggio liked looking at himself. Even in the old days when they were in the dressing rooms, Paggio would be always there drying his hole with a towel and looking out and loved being physical and being big-bodied. And it wasn't that he was vain as such, but in a way it was his vanity that gave him his sanity. If he was looking well on the football field, that was enough for him to feel good. And Paggio, don't call me Paggio, it's PJ. PJ the DJ. And he was a DJ. Paggio was all about finding the beat. And Paggio was looking well. He said, Paggio... Yes, Paggio was spending a lot of time in Jim. Jim was his boyfriend, Jimenez Juanites. I'm PJ, the DJ, and this is my boyfriend, PJ. He's a VJ, a visual jockey. And the man from Mugag said, Conus a hornet to a ma, some cofra. 
how have you found yourself here? I found myself playing at a disco in San Francisco. Spag and drag. They were dressed up in drag, throwing spaghetti at people. It was a kind of a cabaret drag show. Great crack all together. And the beats going on mighty crack. Reminded them of the old days when they were popping pills. But now they were just doing spaghetti. Spag and drag. Great crack. Popping the beats. And Paggio, or PJ the DJ, explained to the man from Ogaga, now it is time for him not to go Gaga, but to listen to his own heart, to find his own rhythm, to feel his rhythm. He looked out across the Golden Gate Bridge of San Francisco. He heard the music of the boys at the Spag and Drag disco. He finally found it. He was heading back on Mioth. He had to find something. He had to feel it in his heart. He could feel the beat. Finally, he was finding his own rhythm. He was remembering Kango Kelly and the belly. He was remembering Mo Keneally and the wedding coming up. He had to find himself. He had to find his soul. In a way, he had to find his femininity. He tried out being gay after the crack. So why wouldn't you when you're at that crack? And finally hit the road and hit the track. And it wasn't long before he was heading back. Back to Texas to tell Mo Keneally that he would play for the wedding. But on the way down, somewhere between Texaco and Mexico, well at the Texaco station on the way to Mexico, he came across an inlet of water at the Gulf of Mexico and it reminded him a bit of home. And as he looked across the water, what should he see? And there it was finally that he saw her. A gorgeous, beautiful woman. Her eyes kind of were brown but spiralled into a green, like a side profile of a round bale. And as he saw her, Something tingled in his heart, and not his heart alone, but all across his body, as if he's his ball bag swinging like a church bell ringing. He felt the rhythm of Mugaga and the rhythm of Balnamango unite in his heart. Finally, he said, that's her, he said, that's the wound for me. He looked and he noticed she had a lot of kids around her. Not that she was working in a goat farm, but she was working in an orphanage. But that's the woman for me, he said. Wonder if those kids are own or what? He said he'd better play some good track and get her into the sack. So he started playing like... And he started playing something like... didn't pay any heed in him no he started playing maybe the G could be a softer approach no that was no good either wait a minute these Latinos need a strong rhythm maybe the polka a Kerry polka no he tried again he tried more he tried harder he tried softer he tried everything no. Why would she look at him? He looked more closely and he saw that here was a woman that was taking care of 20 hungry, starving kids in an orphanage. What could music do for her or for any of them? Nothing. He looked into the water and he felt stupid. Maybe everyone was right. Balnamingo. He was only a kiolan. A musician. Good for nothing but playing in the corner of a pub. He felt sorry for himself, but he looked into his soul and he looked into the water and he went. And at that point, suddenly, on my oath, the music worked and a salmon jumped out of the water. Yeah, and then a mackerel, and then a salmon, and then a mackerel, and then a salmon, and a mackerel, and another one, and another one, and another one. And suddenly he started filleting them with the ball. Filleting them as fast as the old trick had worked. Come here, I want you. Come here, I want you. Oh, little fish, can you do the fandango? Come here, I want you. Come here, I want you. Filleting mackerel in the Gulf of Mexico. Because that's where the mackerel come from, isn't it? That's where they go to in the winter. The warm Gulf of Mexico. And suddenly he's filleting mackerel. He calls over the kids. Yes, now finally he was like the man with the loaves and the fishes. Except this time the loaf might be gluten-free. And right, the kids are called over. They're eating. It was good fish. The omega-3 had helped them. And then, finally, the Latina Bure kind of heard his rhythm. Now she was happy. Now she talked to him. Now he could show he was a resourceful male. Mightn't have a penny to his name, but he could feed himself and those around him. And then, their eyes met. 
He stared into her eyes that reminded him of a side profile of her own bail. He felt it in his heart, he felt the rhythm, and he played her a tune. A tune that showed that he could use, from the tips of his fingers to the soles of his shoes. He could use his fiddle to solve the riddle, with a bluegrass beat in a rhythm 4-4. Play the fiddle like never before. At last he had found it He had found the rhythm in his heart And the rhythm in his fingers He was able to have her dancing And she dancing too And dancing and romancing And soon he'd be going home to the wedding He had finally found the love of his life He had taken that journey to find it in his heart And he was glad somehow that he could still Tickle up the finger to the high note That needed to be sounded out And he was coming home to the wedding And he had the right piece of text Mixed music with him now between his hands And the right woman on his knee And all the boys are coming home Finally, the boys were coming home for the wedding. The year was 2017. It was a good year for Ireland. The weather was up and the tide was high and the boys flying into Knock Airport. On Mewot, into Knock Airport. The recession had turned around. A bit in anyway. We picked up a bit in Galway and Dublin anyway and it won't be long before it was spreading to the rest of the country. That's right. Things were picking up in the country and the boys were coming home for the look around. Home for the wedding and you wouldn't know. They might stay. All the boys are flying into Knock Airport. Kango Kelly is down with Manta. Mantefek, Letchy, Mantefek. And Letchy, Letchy, come on, Letchy, come on, the minibus drivers. And they're down and they're picking up the boys in Knock Airport. There's Kango Kelly in his big belly in a three-piece suit. And his Kelly brothers all coming in. PJ the DJ and his boyfriend JJ the VJ. And they all piling into the minibus And the crack is my Oh turn on the old radio And the boys all piling into the minibus Oh the boys are coming home And the feeling is good The crack is mighty And me ought Here we are lads in our 30s And we never thought The first of us get married More can He mightn't He wouldn't He couldn't He shouldn't This man wouldn't commit to anything And now here we are The first big wedding of the boys From Ballin and Mango And Dugin Flynn Now Dugin Flynn hadn't been great To be honest you know, he'd got fond of the drink. He was hyperglycemic, like, you know what I mean? Like, he'd tell you himself that he wasn't an alcoholic, but he's hyperglycemic, do you know what I mean? Like, somehow, even when he was young, his grandmother was feeding him sugar sandwiches. So it was no wonder they thought he was cracked in school, ADHD and everything, he'd jump around the place. Poor Greta was hyperglycemic and he ate in sugar sandwiches. But, funnily enough, since he came out of some rehab unit, he'd given up the drinking drugs and he wouldn't even eat cooked food. He was on a raw food diet. Yeah, oh yeah. He'd been kind of on one of these lads now you'd see around Dublin 4 or Dublin 8 or Dublin 12 with the yoga mat. You know, just crack. He might only do yoga once a week, but he'd be carrying the yoga mat with him four or five days a week to look good on a one-gear bicycle cycling around the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd come down home then and he'd be having his green smoothie, totally organic, biodynamic. And he'd go into the fruit and veg shop on the tomb road and he'd be like, yeah, so I want uh, spinach, maybe some um, sugar beet, fada beet, silver beet, after beet, and the beet for my green smoothie and uh, wherever I find turmeric. Your man looks out and says, Sham, I don't know anyone from Tum called Eric. And the boys were wondering, Jesus, Dujin Flynn, no, he's not drinking for the wedding. Yes, sir, look at He'll be a bit of crack anyway. You wouldn't know Dujin Flynn, he's kind of gone odd. He would be having the crack with the boys at all. He'd be just walking around with his yoga mat, being all kind of, you know, being very, he was spending too much time above in Dublin. So he'd kind of, kind of taken on a bit of an accent as well. Yeah, yeah, I don't do alcohol or drugs anymore. In fact, I wouldn't even have a cup of tea. I'm on a raw food diet, strictly biodynamic, super organic. But luckily, the boys were home from Australia. Many of the Matchbox and Fungus O'Brien had come home from Australia and they had brought back with them. Zooshrooms? What are zooshrooms? Magic mushrooms harvested from the zoo. Really? Yeah, well, you know, the way around here, the magic mushrooms, it might be like harvested from sheep shite or cow shite. Sorry, I mean ovine manure or bovine manure. Well, these were harvested from, like, the shite of the silverback gorilla. What? 
Yeah, the kind of zooshrooms that make you do a monkey dance. Really? Yeah. How do you bring them back from Australia going through customs? Oh, I should look at it. Put them in the hood so it looked like they fell into it. In the hood of his hoodie. Should come into Knock Airport. There's only one gate. Gate one. No customs. Well, few customs for fags and the like. Walks in. Hoodie full of zooshrooms. Oh, the boys are coming home. They pile onto the minibus. They hit the road for Balamango. On the day before the wedding and the boys are coming home. Kengo Kelly in his big belly in a three-piece suit. And then... Within a mile thrown a bell in the mango and the phone rang. Yes, yes, Kenneth Kelly Construction. What? Morris Canadia, Mo Canadia. Oh, no. You're not serious. What? It couldn't be. No. Morris Keneally, Mo Keneally, the night before his wedding had he drove his tractor into the lake. What? How could he do such a thing? He was only home from America a day or two. Surely you couldn't get depressed, was it an attempt? They don't know. Jesus Christ, how could this happen? <sighs> the bus pulled up into the town. The boys never felt so bad. What does this mean now? Is it a wedding? This is worse than four weddings at a funeral. It's like no wedding and a feckin' funeral. We don't know where is he. Is he in Beaumont? Is he in Galway Hospital? Is he dead? Is he alive? They didn't know what was wrong with him. Is he in a coma or what? They didn't know. Jesus Christ. The boys never felt so bad. They piled out onto the top of the town, spilling out of the minibus. And they were left there looking stupid in three-piece suits. What had they done wrong? How had this become so bad? The man from Mugaga was there. Fiddle in one hand and his lovely Latino bird in the other hand and... Who should he meet, honey? The gypsy woman. He picked up the fiddle and he paid her the tune. He showed her that he'd found his heart and... And and having found his heart, he had found a female partner too. She said, Ah, oh, that's great. You're playing the music. You found it. I knew you'd find it eventually. He said to her, why is the town so quiet? I thought the recession was over and things were picking up a bit. Why is everyone gone? The pubs are closed, the shops are down, there's nothing happening. Close the pub and open the gym, there's nothing going on. She said, actually the town is not too bad, it's picking up a lot. It is all closed up today because everyone's over in Chum at the county final. What? County final? On my oath. It might be late, but it was not too late for them to get back in the bus, back in the bus, quick. They had to get over to Chum to the county final and he had to remember the song. How does it go again? The crowd shouting and singing, he was ready finally to hear it. He was able to harness the energy. Kengo Kelly, who was stripping off out of the three-piece suit and running on the field. The referee was there waiting for them. Jesus Christ, it was time for you, lads, time for you. Finally, they piled onto the field and they were ready. Never was so exciting. The old coach who had been coaching them for years, he nearly 65 years old. He was ready for them too. He said, come on, lads, it's about time for you to be playing. The lads piled onto the field. Kengo Kelly and Banjo Kelly, Banjo Kelly, PJ the DJ is out with the beat. The lads pile onto the field and they're playing again, they're kicking around, they're kicking up. There's only about 20 minutes left, less than 20 minutes left, 10 minutes left. The referee is looking at his watch, he doesn't know what's going on with all these new players coming on from Balnamango. Balnamango had old women playing before they'd amalgamate with any of the other towns around. And it's looking well, it's looking good. There's about 5 minutes left, Dojin Flynn refuses to play. Lads, I won't play contact sports. But luckily at that point, doesn't Fungus O'Brien lift up his hoodie? And the zooshrooms that are harvested from the shite of the silver gorilla fire straight into his smoothie. And tis long before Dojin Flynn is back and he's doing a kind of a monkey dance he is indeed he's coming up on the socials go on Dujin Flynn and he's coming up the midfield he's looking about go on Dujin Flynn and then suddenly what happens oh no the ambulance comes on the field who's down is it is it is it Banjo Kelly I'm here it's Banjo Kelly down Jesus Christ he wonders is it a blood injury oh no the ambulance on the field and then who bursts out of the back of the ambulance honey Mo Keneally Mo Keneally what happened to you we were just over the tractor lads the night before I was going to get married myself and the dog went down to the lake for a smoky joint you know but whatever way I moved whatever way I moved I stood on the brakes and next thing the whole thing turned around and the tractor went into the lake they pulled me out of it they thought I was in a coma 
Shirai was just stoned. Well, Mo, quick, get back on the field. And he's back on the field. Mo can he might, he wouldn't, he shouldn't, he couldn't. It's great to see you, Mo. The wedding is back on. The game is back on. The referee is looking at his watch. There's only about 20 seconds left. And the boys need this game. The injury time is back on. And then finally, oh, wait, Banjo Kinney's still a bit injured. The jersey comes off him. The jersey comes off him. And then finally, the man from Ugega gets to wear the jersey. He takes the jersey. A cold wind blows across his nipples. His nipples are erect, like Crow Patrick, like Mount Nathan. The coach is looking around. There's no other subs to be brought on except for the man from Ugaga. The coach who's 65 years of age, who never really liked the man from Ugaga. He says, now lads, I'll do something I thought I'd never have to do. And next scene, the referee blows the whistle. The game is on. The coach has brought himself on. Imagine that. A 65-year-old man, he's running around the field like a yo-hoggit. Next thing, he gets a shoulder onto the sideline. And finally, the jersey is thrown onto the man from Ugaga. The blood-stained, sweat-stained jersey of the boys of Balnamango. And he pulls the jersey over his body. There's less than 10 seconds gone. He's in the field. Quick, PJ, give me the beat. PJ, the DJ, has got the beat. And PJ on the sideline. Oh yes, he's kicking out with the beat. He's kicking it out. Oh, it's looking good. Wait a minute. It's back. It's back to the beat. He kicks out. It's another great kick over. It lands into Kango Kelly. Kango Kelly is into Banjo Kelly. Banjo Kelly. Kango Kelly into PJ Kelly. PJ Kelly back to Kango Kelly. Go on, Kango Kelly. It's into Dujin Flynn. Dujin Flynn is going tall and thin. Go on, Dujin. Go yourself. Dujin Flynn is coming up. Dujin Flynn is there now. Dujin Flynn is next. It's on. Go on, Dujin. Dujin Flynn is going up the field. Go up the field, Dujin Flynn. Good stuff out of you, Dujin. Back to Kango Kelly. Back to Kango Kelly. And go on. Back to Dujin Flynn. Oh, yes, it's going. Go on, Dujin. Go yourself now, Dujin. That's mighty stuff. And then finally, it's into Mo Kelly. Mo Kelly, he might Mightn't he, wouldn't he, couldn't he, shouldn't he, mightn't he, wouldn't he, couldn't he, shouldn't Kick the ball up in the air, scratching his arse in the back of his hair And it's back to the man of the match box is calling for it Man of the match box, give it a bleeding ball, you give it a bleeding ball That's what you give, give, give it a bleeding ball Oh yes, yes, it's looking good Back to Mokinili, and it's up to Fungus O'Brien Fungus O'Brien, go yourself Fungus, it's over to Man of the match box, give it a bleeding ball, give it a bleeding ball It's off the back of the corner flag, into the back of the onion bag, it's a goal Finally won the match and they're coming home. Heads held high, the cup held high, a bonfire reared in the green, and a great night was had by all. And to end this great saga, they danced to the music, not of Elton John or Lady Gaga, they danced to the music of the man from Mugaga. The Man from Mugaga was written and performed by Andreas de Stack, produced by Francesca Lawler, with sound mix by Neil Kavanagh. The project was supported by a grant from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland as part of the Sound and Vision Scheme and a development grant from the Arts Council. If you've been affected by the issues raised by this programme, please call the Samaritans 24-hour helpline. Free phone 116 123.